Welcome back to another episode of The Genius Podcast. My name is Karen Doyle, your host and founder of The Genius Project, an initiative for Catholic women designed to support and resource you towards growth in all areas of life, spiritual, personal and professional. We seek to do this through the Catholic Women's Masterclass, The Genius Podcast, which you're listening to, our online courses and resources and our Catholic Mindset Coaching Programs for Women. If you would like to find out about any of these initiatives, you can visit our website www.geniusproject.co or you can come and follow me on instagram genius underscore project underscore daily you can also watch the live recordings of these podcast episodes on the genius project youtube channel so i invite you to go and have a look press subscribe so that you can be notified every time a new episode drops on this week's episode of the genius podcast bria is joining me on a discussion around women's mental health how we can steward our minds and our body and our soul in such a way that sees us living a life of wholeness in Christ. She really focuses on the integration of our faith in terms of managing mental health, stress, overwhelm and anxiety and she gives us some very practical tips and tools of how we as women can navigate this area of our life. I hope you enjoy this conversation with Bria Hannon. Well Bria, welcome to the Genius Podcast. It's lovely having you joining us today all the way from Arizona in the United States. So welcome. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It's a it's a thrill, a joy to be here. Oh, well, I'm really excited about our conversation today because I think this is a topic that affects all women of all ages and stages of life in different ways. And today we're going to be talking about, I guess, nurturing our mental health and caring for ourselves and what we can do, I guess, when we find ourselves in those sticky spots in life where we become overwhelmed or it goes a little bit further to burnout and perhaps into things like anxiety and depression and other areas. So I'm very excited um, for you to be sharing with us today. You've got a lot of wealth of knowledge and expertise in this area. But before we dive into the conversation, would you give us a little bit of background about who you are and where you live and how you came to be doing what you're doing today? Sure. Yes. So my name is Bria Hannon and I do live in sunny Arizona. It's about 110 right now. Oh, <laughs> so nice. <laughs> and um, I am a wife and mother, um, mother of two littles, a three and a half and a one and a half year old. Um, and I have my own private practice, Hannon Hope and Healing. And I provide virtual services, um, psychotherapy and coaching services. And I support people in all walks of life. Um, And essentially um, what I'm going to be talking to you about today, what we're going to be kind of unpacking is the work that I get to do with people on an individual level. I also see couples as well and apply some of the concept to couples as well too. I'm really, I really believe this work begins with the family. And so, uh, especially with healthy marriages. So I um, oftentimes do a lot of that work first with the couples. And then the hope is to bring it into their individual lives and then um, to their children. Um, Yeah. So that's kind of an overview. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So tell me, how did you end up in this work? Yeah. So I really feels like something that the Lord has placed in my heart um, since I was little. I've always wanted to help people. And so my whole life's discovery is how. And um, when I went to college and undergrad, 
I had an idea of what I wanted to do. Um, I wanted to be a child psychologist. And as I was experiencing um, psychology classes, you know, going through the material, um, I found myself more moved by the idea of entering two stories and really getting to know the heart, the mind, the body of a person. And um, some of the work within child psychology was a lot more like assessment based where you didn't get to really get to know the person at a deeper level. And so just kind of listening to the promptings of the Holy Spirit and what excited me and, you know, if I read something and that really seemed to move me and just trying to follow all those little promptings. And then it led me to um, counseling psychology And then from there, again, kind of going back to this idea of the family and the importance of the family, it led me to marriage and family therapy. And so I thought that that would be the best use also of my gifts and the things Mm -hmm. that I was noticing within myself and the things that I felt passionate about. And so, yeah, that's kind of beautiful. Be where I am today. Fantastic. So good. And And I guess in the work that you get to do, you have a front row seat to the lives of women, particularly you work with couples, but particularly with women, you have this front row seat where you are witnessing firsthand some of the challenges and pressures that we all face as women, right? I I think Jesus said in scripture, you know, when the day of trouble comes and somehow we're surprised when we hit those rapids of life where things are turbulent. And I think sometimes we don't know where to find our guide posts and and how to navigate those waters. But can you share with me how, I guess, what are some of the big pressures that you see women facing? You have this front row seat. What are you seeing as some of the themes in the lives of women? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, I'd say the majority of my caseload are women. Women seem to reach out for support more, which is wonderful. Um, but the I think the main thing that I hear is the pressure to be perfect Mm. um, and also um, the tendency to control. So those are the two things. And so um, with the perfectionism, I think women live with a lot of shoulds. Um, This is true for single women to mothers, right? Um, And uh, typically it goes like, I should be um, married by now, or I should be this mom who's able to smile and ever have an angry moment um, or lash out or feel anxious, right? Um, So I think that's one piece of it. And then with that comes the control because um, women feel a a tremendous amount of pressure to be a certain way or to show up in a certain way. Um, They have a tendency to unconsciously uh, kind of control their either conversations or their behavior um, and not really rely on the Lord as much, right? There's this kind of inner battle happening. Um, So yeah, I'll pause there. No, that's fantastic. Yeah. I, I love the one where you say we suffer under all of these shoulds, the shoulda, woulda, coulda mentality. Yeah. I think, can you explain that a little bit more about where that comes from for women and where this need for perfectionism comes from? Mm-hmm. Yes. So I specialize in um, kind of early childhood trauma. And so I unpack a lot of childhood stories. And so it seems to come from those early experiences with our caregivers. 
And so if you experienced a caregiver who was maybe more critical or um, perhaps they didn't even say anything at all, but they weren't really affirming, oftentimes we as women or, or small girls will internalize those messages or those experiences of not being affirmed or really seen or heard. And then we feel like we need to do more to earn our parents' attention or affection, right? So we learn from really young age that the only way I get mommy and daddy's love and care is if I perform, right? If I am always happy, I put on a smiley face, if I don't get my dress dirty, um, all of these different things that help us to get what we desire most, which is connection. And so I think it comes from that. And then we internalize all certain kinds of messages um, from from there on out with our, our peers mm. in school, with our teachers, with our first boyfriend, right? All of these different things that make us believe that, no, I, I should be like this, right? Mm. This is the only way that I get the affection or the care or the love. Yeah, absolutely. I think you highlight something. I love how you use the word stories because I think we forget that we all have a story and and it's neutral because it's just simply what happened to us or our circumstances in life. But then we do get to, as we become adults, get to reframe, I guess, our interpretation of that story. And that actually has the power to change the trajectory of our lives. Can you speak a little bit into, into that? Because sometimes I think Uh, My experience in coaching some women when they come to me is that they feel powerless. They feel a victim to their circumstance. Mm -hmm. I think that what we we need to hear more of as women is this message that we actually have far more power than we realize. And Mm -hmm. when we cooperate with God's grace, that's where real transformation happens. So can I ask Mm -hmm. you just to speak into, I guess, that victim sort of mindset that sometimes we have over our lives and how women might shift out of that even just a little bit to start taking steps forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. Um, well, I think from like a nervous system perspective, when we are feeling like we can't um, be this woman that we should be, right, um, we start to shut down. Like our nervous system will start to get us in this kind of a collapse, helpless state, which looks like kind of feeling like a victim, right? We start to feel like I can't do anything. And so our bodies communicate to that to us first before we have any cognitive thought of like, Um, I can't do it or I'm powerless, right? Um, Our bodies will communicate that to us by a sense of maybe a lack of motivation or a feeling of just lethargy or uh, tiredness all the time. And then we start to feel or start to maybe have those more cognitive thoughts of like, I am powerless or I can't do it or um, I'm just too broken or my past um, has been too terrible. There's no way I can be this woman um, that I'm called to be today. So The way that I typically address that then is to connect with the body first and to experience that internal security and safety in our body. So helping women to start to understand where those feelings come from, I think are a first step and recognize too, like, um, I think it's nice to kind of humanize those experience and recognize like we all have a nervous system that when we're feeling really stressed and we feel like we can't. Uh, live up to those shoulds, our nervous system will tend to move us into a place of survival. So I think when we phrase it in that way, it helps women to feel like, oh, okay, it's more of my body doing what it needs to do to create a sense of homeostasis of keeping me safe, right? Instead of, oh, I'm, you know, such a loser for not being able to kind of get out of this state or um, to be more motivated or empowered, right? So um, from there, I think, 
um, then with that kind of more gentle approach and that lens of connecting with body, creating safety in body, then we can kind of look like going back to the stories, unpack those stories, challenge some of those beliefs that they may have adopted along the way. And I think that's how we can create like a new mindset where they can see themselves the way that truly that God sees us, right? And then that is that probably the next reason all of this is the hope is that as we increase safety and security in our body, um, we also experience safety and security with our Lord so that when we're telling ourselves those truths or maybe um, relying on the truths that the Lord has given us, we actually believe it. Because that seems to be the other disconnect is we'll say the positive things yes. or we'll hear it um, or pray for it, but we don't actually believe it. There's yes. parts of us that don't. Yes. I think that would be the next phase of that. Yeah, beautiful. I love that model. And and the way that you're sort of putting language around the experience is really important because sometimes I think we can forget we are this unity of body and soul. And, yes. and there's a beautiful book that's, I think it's, I can't remember who the author is, you would know, but the body keeps the score. Mm-hmm. That just our body stores all of the traumas and all of the experiences. And and I think that's where we sort of start to look at things like mental health and anxiety and depression, because sometimes that's the body manifesting some of those stories and those emotions, um, which is powerful. So I think this idea that is really important is that we are this unity of body and soul. So what's happening Mm -hmm. in our emotional world does impact us physically and our physical bodies impact our emotions. And I think that's a great place to start. And I love that you pick up on that. Mm-hmm. When we're Absolutely. talking about mental health, and, and this is a term and well-being, it's thrown around, it's a very trendy kind of catchphrase these days, yes. but there's a, a gravity to that. Uh, I, I think our mental health is actually quite fragile and mm-hmm. we need to be really good stewards. The, the Bible talks about you know, our body is a temple of the Holy Spirit and the Spirit of God dwells within us. So we are called to steward our minds. We're called to steward our bodies and our emotions well. I'd love just to unpack a little bit about this term mental health and well-being so that we can understand what it is. Um, I think that when we have knowledge and we have an understanding, then we can take steps to really start to care for it and nurture ourselves. So can you speak around, I guess, what is mental health uh, and what can we do as women to nurture that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, oh, I love that you're making those connections too between the body because I don't see mental health as separate from um, our body and being good stewards of our body and our souls as well. Um, so, but I think the way that I would define it first is um, just taking care of the way we think right? Um, learning how to um, understand um, what's going on in our minds, um, I think is a big piece of mental health, right? Um, and the stories that we have that have created kind of our mental process, um, our thoughts, our core beliefs, um, also our emotions and how we experience those emotions would all be under, I think, mental health. Um, but Um, I think the more that we uh, understand this field, the more we uh, discover new research, we recognize that it's so much more than just the mind, as I just said. So um, it's really about nurturing the self, um, nurturing um, your sense of identity. And what I tell my clients is um, learning how to um, become and live as 
in, in the image and likeness of God. So reclaim that. So I would say that when we um, disconnect from our mental health and we don't take good care of our mental health, it starts to impact everything else. And we start to lose our God-given dignity and who we are at our core, which is being uh, made in the image and likeness of God. So I think mental health is, is I love that word being good stewards and nurturing, right? It's about kind of reclaiming that um, and uh, through the mind, through the body, right? And then nurturing our relationship or spirituality with God. Mm, beautiful. I think um, one of the words that I love to use when we're talking about mental health is it's living this integrated life and living a life of wholeness. And I like that you point out that mental health is not separate to who we are. It's not an add-on that we might have this thing sitting over here. It, it, we're this unity of body and soul. So what's going on is actually really, really important. And I think the goal is not so much sort of mastering mental health, so to speak, because there is a lot of that language in the secular world, but to really live into this life of wholeness and to receive restoration through Christ and through his grace, because there's so much that we can do, but ultimately mm-hmm. that final layer and, and what really brings it together is the grace of God. Can you mm-hmm. talk a little bit about, I guess, the role of our faith in walking this journey towards wholeness and integration. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. And so I talked about earlier how women tend to um, control, right? When they start to recognize um, some of the, that perfectionism and the shoulds that they've been living with, they will unconsciously, you know, uh, utilize different defense mechanisms to um, basically empower themselves or feel a sense of um, of control. So I think where our faith comes in is it's learning how to surrender and to trust that God is good and that we don't have to live with so many um, defense mechanisms and try to um, work really hard to be this per- this perfect version of self um, that's really unattainable, right? It's, it's learning how to kind of um, be more compassionate towards ourselves as Christ is compassionate towards us. And so I really believe like the whole work should always model after Christ and what he does or how he shows up with us. And so you're basically taking that, um, how the Lord shows up, how he compassionately enters into our suffering, how he works with our littleness, our um, fragility. And we're basically using that model in the way that we take care of ourselves, become good stewards of ourselves. And then in that too, we develop what I call, or not what I call, but attachment researchers call earned security. And so we might have um, uh, more of an insecure attachment style or these kind of childhood um, experiences that have made us really insecure people. And so as we develop that, as we model after Christ, um, it ends up also um, impacting our faith so that we can show up more securely with God and, and actually trust him, actually let go and believe he'll take care of us. And in, in a sense too, it's it's a really interesting thing because we're talking about empowerment, but we're also in this work, it's kind of ironic that you also become more dependent. Mm-hmm. Um, you become more childlike, right? And so it's it's a both and, it's learning how to care for self and become empowered and feel secure and strong but also learning to surrender and let go and allow God to just take care of us. 
Mm, I love that. It's so beautiful. And there's that real level of receptivity and humility that we need that I think so much of our struggles as women, I know this is true in my life, I see it in the lives of the women I coach, is that we we start to get on this um, treadmill of anxiety when yeah. we're trying to, we feel like it all depends on us. And, and for women in family, sometimes I mean, the objective reality is a lot of it does depend on us. So we might not necessarily change the circumstances, but we can change how we show up in those circumstances. And that if we can sort of do a little bit of work on ourselves in that area, then that can change our experience of anxiety and and things like depression and and feeling overwhelmed and burnt out. Mm -hmm. Can you share with me a little bit about how women can do that? They might not, for example, you might have a woman who is a single mother and she's mm-hmm. juggling all the things. It's quite overwhelming, working a full-time job, managing the children. You might have a woman who's in a difficult marriage and the husband expects her to do everything and she's feeling really overwhelmed. Those circumstances mm-hmm. aren't changing in the short term, but what can she do to manage herself in the midst of those challenges? Yeah. Yeah. That's a great question. Um, so I ha- actually have a process that I teach women that I think I could probably share here that might be helpful to answer that question. Mm-hmm. And so it's, I call it the five A's. And so the first thing that a woman can do is just get anchored. And that looks like getting connected with body, right? Getting connected with soul, um, slowing down, taking a deep breath, because you're absolutely right. Her, her circumstances might not change. She might be in the thick of something really stressful, and it might really be all on her. She might not have a lot of support, but something that she can do is just kind of deep breathe, right? Learn those regulation tools mm-hmm. to help her to maintain her peace, right? Um, and the anchor piece too is also learning how to pray and cry out to God, right? Being really honest about what's going on um, in her life. And then the second A is acknowledge. So from there, I I start to feel more peace. I'm maybe feeling like, okay, I'm crying out to the Lord. I'm getting more regulation in my body. Now I have the cognitive space to acknowledge what's going on. So I might acknowledge that I'm feeling really stressed out right now and really anxious with all that that's going on. Um, I'm feeling like my husband's not supporting me and that makes me feel um, really sad and alone or lonely. And so what tends to happen, and it might sound like, okay, well, why acknowledge it, right? We have things to do, um, you know, there's still tasks to be done. Won't that make me kind of fall into the feelings even more, fall into despair, right? But what we find in this work and through research is that simply acknowledging our experience actually empowers us more and we feel more uh, connected to self, connected to others, more open and receptive. Um, And we also feel more attuned, which is the third A. And so attunement is all about um, really not only acknowledging what we feel, but allowing ourselves to actually feel it. Um, And so allowing ourselves to go through those emotions, to cry, to um, maybe we need to like throw something at the wall, right? Of course, don't hurt anybody, but, you know, just (laughs) allow ourselves to process those emotions. And, um, and, and that's where the nurturing piece, right? Being able to also validate those emotions. It's okay to feel this way. It's okay that things are really hard. And then the fourth A is to ask. And so we also learn to ask for what we might be needing, right? Ask for help. Ask the Lord for a particular grace. 
Um, we might need to ask our inner self, like, what is it that I'm really needing right now? What could help me maybe feel a little bit more grounded in this moment? And then the last A is act. And so we act on that, whatever the Lord maybe shows us, or maybe we do feel like, um, you know, really what I'm needing is just a support from a friend or to call a friend. We do that. And then we just keep repeating the steps. Yeah, that's fantastic. I like the five A's. They're they're great. Can you tell us just very quickly again, those five are? Yes. So it's um, anchor, acknowledge, attune, ask, act. Fantastic. And I think it's really helpful to have that. So encourage women to just write those three, those five down so that they've got them front of mind. But I, I think you touched on something about preserving peace. And Father Jacques Philippe talks about in his books, um, especially the one interior freedom, that really the goal in life is to preserve our peace. So we will face battles, we are going to encounter challenges, but the goal is to preserve our peace of heart and mind in the midst of that. And I think you've given us a a lovely little action plan there to help women. One of the areas that I think women struggle in is, I think it was the fourth one, maybe the third, but to acknowledge the needs. Mm -hmm. We're not actually very good at acknowledging our needs because so often we fall into this caregiver role Mm -hmm. where we are pouring ourselves out for others. And Mm -hmm. often we are doing that at the expense of our own needs. I love that saying, we can't give what we don't possess. And and some people have this mindset and it's a false mindset of, I must give, I, I, I must be self, completely selfless. And we have to balance that with, obviously, we're called to live a selfless life. But yes. even Jesus drew a way to a quiet place to restore himself so that he could give. Can mm-hmm. you speak a little bit into that false mindset for women and, and how they can actually challenge that? Because I see that as one of the biggest challenges that women face is mm-hmm. the failure to ignore their own needs and also to give themselves permission to nurture those needs. So how could women get unstuck, I guess, from that mindset? Yeah, yes, absolutely. I definitely see that with women and within my own self, my own story. Um, The first thing that comes to mind is interior boundaries, right? So when we think of boundaries, often think of like, okay, I need to kind of set a limit with a friend or I need to tell my mom um, that she can't call me after 9 p.m., right? But boundaries are so much more than that. It's really like what Father Jacques Philippe is talking about with that interior freedom, right? With the, it's basically recognizing my peace is what sustains me. My peace is what connects me to God and keeps me anchored and grounded. And so I can't lose that. And so when we recognize the feelings, when we allow ourselves to acknowledge those, we're, also allowing ourselves to um, work through it, right? So there, you can't work through anything unless you acknowledge it first. And we're also um, getting kind of clear, w- the more that you practice this, what is violating the boundary? What's what's disrupting my peace, right? So you, you develop more understanding when you do that kind of interior work of exploration and becoming more curious about what we're feeling. So for example, let's say I um, am a person who um, feels the need to make sure um, everyone else is taken care of. And I have a should that um, I can never come first, right? My family should always come first, no matter what, right? So that's kind of governing my life. And um, 
perhaps I start to notice that I'm getting really anxious, right? So the tendency I think for women is like, oh, I can't be anxious, right? Um, I'm going to offer it up quickly or I'm going to ignore it. I'm going to deny it, right? And just keep myself focused and busy on the task at hand. Um, the food needs to go in the oven, right? I need to do the load of laundry or whatever that is. And so I think what, what can happen, what can what can actually help women is slowing down a little bit, right? Noticing, okay, I'm getting anxious. I'm not going to be able to do these things well unless I tend to myself first. So um, let me take the deep breath. Let me, you know, do the five A's, right? Um, before I go and do the next thing. And then when we fail to do that though, we're really violating a boundary, right? We're, we're basically saying, well, um, I don't really matter. Um, my feelings don't matter. And that is what um, violates, right, that that peace that we're trying to maintain, right? So if, if one of our values is to be a woman who is full of peace, who shows up joyfully, right, then um, we have to make sure that we're doing what is necessary then to live by that value, right? Um, and so sometimes we think too, the other kind of, I think layers this is, oh, it's my husband who's disturbing my peace because he's not helping, which could be true, right? Um, that definitely will will affect our peace. Yes. <laughs> um, it's kids who are being too loud or not listening. But really, the the only way that we can kind of um, maintain that peace is taking responsibility for our own responses and reactions. And then doing what's necessary to regulate those feelings that come up. Um, and then that's how we kind of also live by our boundary, if you will. So we're not allowing those other things that are outside of our control to yes. disrupt what we're building internally. I mm. hope that makes sense. No, it does. No, that's good. <laughs> Thanks, Maria. Now, I, we talk about, you talked about this word tending. And, and I know there's this um, phrase, tend and befriend, when oh. we're talking about getting out of that sort of survival mode like when we're when the world feels like it's cramming in on us and coming at us from all angles we do start to get anxious because there's more demands on us than what we have the resources to meet those demands with Um, can you speak into that sort of adaptative stress response that you talk about that tendon befriend and how that's really key for getting out of that survival kind of cycle. Yeah, yes. Yeah, I love the research on tend and befriend because we have um in and kind of neuroscience and trauma studies, we've always thought that it's fight, flight, and freeze. And tend and befriend is actually a beautiful adaptation of, st- of a stress response um, that actually more women have been able to um experience, right, or adapt. Because women naturally want to nurture, we we are hardwired to nurture and to connect with others. And it's been safe for us to do that. It's helped us to survive and get to where we are today, right? Um, As we connect with baby and nurture baby, baby grows and thrives, right? If we connect to other women, right, we start to feel a little bit more, you know, supported and connected. And so the research is basically showing that the more we um, practice this and then I've also applied it to also our own selves, right? We tend to what's hurting within us, what's scared, what's lonely, what's afraid. Um, and we practice, right? That nurturing or befriending, uh, the same response will happen, right? The same kind of um, 
outcome like we do or like what we experience with our friends or with our baby we grow we become more resilient we feel connected right so we can uh, apply all of that to how we show up with our own selves yeah beautiful I, I know there's some research that talks about I can't remember the correct terminology but this idea of hugging yourself or just stroking oh, yeah. your arm like it just mm-hmm. there's some very simple little things that seem a bit silly but it actually has a huge physiological impact on us like if we were to just to tend to ourselves by stroking our own hand or to write mm-hmm. in a journal or what are some of the other ways that practically women can tend to themselves yeah sure that's a great question so with the anchoring there's so many ways where you're essentially tending to yourself right you're befriending yourself physically so those are great tools like the stroking your arm or journaling or writing um But one of the ones that I teach is putting one hand on your heart, one hand on your belly when you breathe. So getting connected that way, kind of tending to yourself that way. Um, There's also something called a butterfly hug. And so if you um, kind of wrap your arms across and put one hand on your shoulder, uh, let me see the one hand on the other shoulder, you probably need a visual to do this, but um, you're basically flapping back and forth and kind of tapping. Um, And there's some research around that of how that helps kind of regulate ourselves. But I think the important thing is, right, we're experiencing that safe touch and um, getting connected to our bodies. Um, I would say even singing, right, even like a spiritual hymn or something like that, kind of humming it to ourselves. That's a good way to kind of tend to ourselves. And also it's like um, we also get to connect with the Lord too through that um, can be that can be really helpful. And then um, I think. Some other things too is um, like I have clients who will wrap themselves in a like a blanket or just, you know, allow themselves to kind of experience that sense of being kind of enclosed and snuggling up to something. Um, It's really about using our five senses, right? Mm -hmm. So being able to engage with all five of our senses can also help us to experience that befriending physically. Mm -hmm beautiful I love the practical element of that because I I have women who come to me they say I understand the theory but I don't know how to do it I don't actually know how I think one of the other things that you you picked up on in our conversation before was just about the role of our lady the blessed mother and also other women in our life can you speak into that sort of connection community and how important that is for our mental health yes yes well one of the things I thought about um, entering into this conversation is that some women don't feel very nurturing they, they don't find that that feels really natural um and it has to do with trauma right impacting this kind of god-given um uh i think part of our like feminine genius right that's something that the lord has given to us but trauma will impact that so um i i was thinking about that of like okay how can women really access that um and become more nurturing and i was thinking about just the role of saints and our lady um when we develop those strong relationships to other holy and virtuous women they essentially teach us how to soften our own heart right they open us up they model to us that it can be safe to kind of tap into these things that maybe have felt unsafe, like being just kind to ourselves. that can also feel sometimes unsafe. Um, and we might have learned that 
the only way to survive is to kind of be really mean to ourselves and uh, kind of whip ourselves into shape because that's the only way that we're going to kind of maybe do more or achieve this higher level of perfection. And so when we have these relationships where, you know, you experience Our Lady or you're using kind of imaginative prayer and you see her like, you know, holding you or, you know, holding your hand or, um, you know, I've had clients who've allowed themselves to just be like a child in, in, in Mary's arms and just rest there. And so all of those kinds of prayerful experiences or really learning about um, Our Lady's heart or particular saints will give us kind of, I think, the freedom to model it ourselves um, and experience it on a bodily level too, right? We're experiencing their safety, their be- their befriending that gives us permission to do it too. Yeah, beautiful. I Just as you're speaking, I'm reminded of a quote from St. Joan of Arc that I see God in my imagination. And, and I think sometimes when we grow up and, you know, we've got a mortgage and we've got the kids and we've got work and we're juggling all the things, we lose a sense of that childlike need for play and, and just that laughter and that joy and the silliness of life, which actually isn't that silly. It's actually really, really important. And and so our imagination is part of that. And I think slowing the invitation for women is really to slow down a little bit, to encounter the Lord in their imagination, to visualize him coming to them or our lady coming to them and just nurturing them. Because I think that's such a powerful gift that God has given us in our mind. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Very, very important. Can you? I just touched on this idea of play. And I think it's something that we let go of at some point in our lives as women. It's it's something that we see as maybe frivolous or life gets mm-hmm. a little bit too serious and we let go of this sense of play. But if you watch a little child um, playing, there's just this abandonment to joy, this abandonment to the present moment. And whatever's going on, you know, they can just, they just carry on and they cope with whatever. But yeah. I'd love you to talk for a moment just into the role that play has in our lives mm-hmm. as women and how we can, I guess, reignite um, some play and, and how that's linked, I guess, to our mental health. Sure. Yeah. Um, well, something that I um, teach clients is how to befriend their inner child. So that's another specialty of mine. Um, and I do a lot of writing on it. And so I have all these kinds of ideas are popping up in my mind right now because um, that's really the bulk of my work is helping women to and 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 men and couples to experience that inner child, that child who can play, who can wonder, who can delight and be free in the moment. Um, but I think, you know, just to offer some kind of um, a way at entry into this is really to start remembering, right? Like who I was before I got really busy, before the kids, before I got married, right? Um, and maybe looking at old pictures and seeing yourself through that lens, because you're right, we do get disconnected from that sense of self, right? We get, we could become really busy and we might feel like it is frivolous to, you know, go and pick flowers or go jump on a trampoline, right? Other things to do. But I think just simply remembering that child self and, and remembering that I actually did those things and I delighted and I slowed down and I felt joy and peace helps awaken something within us. And then that will give us um, more curiosity and open us to explore that further. Mm, That's beautiful. And I think just what you said is looking at pictures, but also asking some questions like, when did I last play? 
what, yeah. what brings me this, uh, you know, this unhindered, unrestrained joy where I just feel alive and, and reconnecting with some of those activities. I know in relationships education, we often say to couples who might be hitting those rocky roads is just what brought you together? What were the activities yes. that, you know, you drew you together in the first place and returning to those a little bit. And I think there's that muscle memory or that body memory that, when we encounter play, it takes us back to being a child and it lifts us beyond mm-hmm. the present moment. I think that the Lord just loves and delights in us when we're playing. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. It also reminds me of just, you know, a child is totally dependent and you know, up until a certain age, they really don't care what people think and they just are in the present. I think that's an invitation for us as women is just to encounter that Mm -hmm. child within, but understanding that we have this God in heaven who just loves us beyond all measure and he delights in us and and he's full of joy when we're playing and we're abandoned to that present moment. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Ria, can you you tell me, we're just sort of in wrapping up now, I guess we've got some of those more extreme, I, I guess there's extreme mental illness that people may suffer with there's things like depression and anxiety which we we hear those words but they can be quite debilitating experiences for women i want yeah. you to speak in just for a moment around i guess women who are genuinely struggling with with mental illness mental health like have mm-hmm. you got some thoughts or some words of encouragement for them mm-hmm. yes yes well something that i found um in my work is really when we um, rediscover our authentic core, authentic self, right? Maybe it's that child within, right? To use that language. Um, There's no illness or anything that we're struggling with that can really take us away from that, right? It's it's like, I see it as like almost an umbilical cord back to God. Um, And so um, I think I, you know, what comes up for me is just really sharing a message of hope that no matter what you're going through or how severe it is, um, you can always have access to that, and, and, and especially with support. Um, and really, that's a, a huge, I think, need for women um, is to have a community of support um, because we can't do it alone. And especially if there's really debilitating um you know, psycho, um, psychosomatic kind of things going on, you're going to need more of that. And support doesn't just look like a community. It could also look like, um, um, oh gosh, my word, my, my mind's blinking now. Okay. <laughs> um, uh, uh, would that be a psychologist? I was going to say it. Yes. Yeah. Okay. You support can also look like, um, a psychologist, seeing a therapist, right? Also, um, being uh, taking medication or seeing a psychiatrist. Um, I think that that's all okay because the Lord is inviting us all into healing and wholeness and integration. And um, I would say for those who have, you know, severe anxiety or depression or perhaps something else, a personality disorder the same invitation is for those people as well. And so you're, we're, those who struggle with those are those kinds of um, debilitating disorders are just going to need a little bit more support. Hmm, Fantastic. And I think giving yourself permission, not being too hard on yourself, that that we have that inner critic in that judgmental voice that can be so harsh to us as women. And Mm -hmm. I think the Lord really wants to just invite us that if this is where you're at, this is where you're at. And he meets us exactly in that place and wants to bring that restoration and peace. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. What about the women who are who are overwhelmed and and stressed? What are some of the things that they can do today mm-hmm. to help them, I guess, come back to themselves and manage that stress in a more productive way? Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. Yeah, I, I think I want to go back to the the a woman who might be struggling with a severe mental illness, because I think this will also connect to a woman who feels really overwhelmed, but learning how to regulate your nervous system and getting connected with your body is so important for, for every domain of our life. Um, and so I say too, because it sometimes can feel really overwhelming to look at the thoughts or the beliefs or enter into the feelings without any connection to body or knowing how to regulate our nervous system well. So um, I would say um, just starting off really small with, um, you know, taking a deep breath. It might sound really simple and, and too like elementary, but it's one of the best ways to get connected really quickly, especially when we're taking deep breaths, right? Really from your belly, holding that breath all the way up and your chest and lungs, holding it there and then bringing it back down towards your belly. Um, so that's the first thing. And then I would say too, just going on a walk, right? That's kind of intentionally helping you get connected. And then when you think about it, when you're walking, you're integrating the left and the right side of your brain, the right and left hemisphere have to work together to create that movement, which also helps us to regulate um, our, our parasympathetic nervous system, our heart rate, all of those kinds of things that will help us to um, feel that sense of feeling a little bit more peace or anchored or connected. Um, So I would say those two um, ways are simple things that you can do just today to just feel more of yourself, to slow down. Um, And that's true for someone who's really overwhelmed and someone who's having a severe, you know, um, severe anxiety. Yeah, fantastic. And and then I want to highlight just these pillars, like there's these four pillars that are really obvious and really basic, but sometimes we miss them, but they go a long way to nurturing, protecting our mental health. And that's sort of exercise, sleep, good nutrition, Uh, connection, water, those very basic things, but they are so powerful. I think if you can just sort of, and prayer, just getting that sort of time and space um, as well. I think they're really important keys that if we can put those pillars in place, they, they change a lot. Yes. Yes. And I would add to that too, if sometimes we might look at those and go, oh, but I can't sleep, right? It's been so hard to sleep or I'm too busy to drink water. These things that seem simple could be, feel really hard for some people. I would say, don't worry about the full list. Focus on the one that seems the easiest, right? And just start there and just build it into your daily habit. Um, And then you'll be surprised that the more you just practice one of those simple things or keys, you'll be able to do more and more. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's that that saying small changes made consistently make all the difference. There's no point doing a massive overhaul because chances are like New Year's resolutions, they never stick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, Bria, thank you so much. That's such an insightful conversation and, and I really love talking with you. If women are interested in finding out more about you or your services, where can they find you? Yes. Yeah. You can find me on my website. It's my first and last name, Bria Hannon, L-M-F-T dot com and I have a bunch of different resources on there and also free resources as well um so take a look at that on the resource tab and then they can also find me on Instagram at Bria Hannon LMFT 
Beautiful. Thank you so much. And I'll put some links in the show notes as well. But thank you for joining us and God bless your beautiful work. Thank you. Appreciate it. Well, ladies, I really hope and pray that that conversation gave you some really powerful insights into how you can manage stress, anxiety, overwhelm, and mental health. If you would like to find out more about Bria's work, you can visit her website, www.briahanan.com. Com, or you can follow her on Instagram, Bria Hannon. If you've liked what you've heard on the Genius Podcast, could I ask you to do a small favor for me and head on over to the podcast platform that you're listening to this episode on and leave a review and a rating. This only takes a few short moments, but it really helps to support the work of the Genius Podcast. You can also follow us on Instagram, genius underscore project underscore daily. Ladies, if you'd like to go a little bit further with some of the content that we've discussed in today's episode, can I I invite you to visit our website and check out the Catholic Women's Masterclass. In the Genius Project Catholic Women's Masterclass, we take women through a four-month journey of transformation. We look at establishing these rhythms of renewal in our life that will see us live a life of integration and wholeness in Christ. The program is made up of a number of online learning modules as well as fortnightly group coaching sessions with myself and the rest of the group. So ladies, if you're looking to establish some new rhythms, if you need a, a recalibration in your life and you like to do that with the support of a mentor and a sisterhood of other women, come on over and visit the website www.geniusproject.co where you can find out more information on the masterclass page. Until next week, ladies, have a great week. God bless you and we'll see you next week on the Genius Podcast.